0: this podcast is made possible by sage intact and us bank
1: this is larry begley cfo of cloud health technologies and you are listening to the cfo thought leader podcast
0: this is episode 286 how is a finance leader are you how driving are you driving change, change in your organization? organization how are you driving change within your organization In this episode, we speak to Nick Vandergrift, CFO of MS Companies. So our
1: our big strategic moment, if you will, uh, was to come up with a way to present real-time financials so that our sales team had real-time commission dashboards and that our ops teams had real-time P&L dashboards so that they could log in to their system, and at any point in time, see where they stood in their performance against their objectives. And it was about about 18 months ago that we finally were able to get through the input process mapping and create kind of that back-end automation that would drive these dashboards. And instead of looking at a Microsoft Word document for an agenda, we're logging in and
0: we're looking in real time Listen to our complete interview with Nick after these words from our sponsor. It's a question every growing business must answer. How do you scale your organization to accommodate growth while reducing risk? Sage Intech provides the instant visibility into deep operational and financial requirements that inform decision-making. When scale is top of mind, by automating error-prone manual tasks and allowing your team to focus on the analysis of more accurate information, Sage Intact provides the visibility required to confidently scale your organization. Sage Intact is the only AICPA preferred provider of cloud financial management software. hello we're speaking to nick vandergrift cfo of ms companies now ms companies has created a way where today more than 600 manufacturers including uh some uh, 20 fortune 500 companies are able to fill openings and jobs and at the same time reduce their their workforce so it's an interesting model nick welcome
1: yeah jack thank you Uh, i'm uh really appreciative of the opportunity to get to speak with you today.
0: Well, it's good to have you with us. And as always, we like to, before we talk to you a little bit about MS companies, find out a little bit about you and uh, what were some of those experiences that prepared you uh, for this role as CFO? Sure.
1: I have a little bit of a unique story. I uh, kind of made a roundabout way into the uh, finance profession. I uh, played college basketball. Uh, I started out at a Big 10 university here in Indiana and then wound up transferring to a smaller one. And uh, post-graduation thought that I would continue down that road of uh, basketball industry and becoming a great coach. And uh, right before we got married, I had an opportunity. I would have to move away and told my wife or soon to be wife that, Hey, we have this opportunity here in front of us, but it's going to require me to move away. And she was finishing school and she gave me the ultimatum that, uh, well, if you want to get married, then I don't think this is the right job for you. So I turned down that uh, opportunity and went and found a mentor who at the time was a CFO of one of the health networks here in town, and he gave me the advice of uh, I wanted to be successful in the business side of things, that I needed to find a core competency, and there was no better core competency than accounting. So That's how I kind of wound my way up into finance. I went to grad school at IU after that and uh, then did some time in public accounting and and found a high growth company that I could be a part of afterwards. And and so that's how I wound up where I am today.
0: Now, when you, did you arrive at MS companies as the CFO or did you kind of grow up with the company?
1: So when I arrived, we had a controller um, and I was working as a, Right hand man to the controller as the financial analyst, and we at the time didn't have a formal CFO role. So, as the company grew, the complexity of what the financial department needed to deliver to the sales and operational counterparts only increased. So, we needed to make sure that uh, we were able to keep up with that demand and complexity, and uh, that, that's how the role evolved.
0: We've been speaking in kind of general terms. What exactly are you selling? How how do, does all this talent on the front of your, your website here get plugged into these companies exactly? What exactly is this model? Yeah. So it probably helps to understand how
1: things started, uh, and that gives us a better picture of where we are today. The company started as a quality assurance company in the automotive manufacturing space where you're sitting – in the value stream between the Tier 3, Tier 2, Tier 1 to OEM parts manufacturers and then to assemblers. And if there was a quality issue anywhere in that value stream, we would sit there and make sure that uh, we were able to contain and control those quality issues. As that business grew, our hourly workforce grew, and the demands on finding great talent became our highest priority so the quality business is where we started but because of our success in that quality business and the demand that it created on finding great talent we decided to invest in technology that would allow us to go find and match skills to our job requirements so much of the growth that you've seen is now is, is an extension of that technology where yeah we, we we proved we could do it on the quality side and now those same customers that we work for in the quality space have other labor needs. And so we're able to use our algorithms and our back-end technology that matches employees and job demands and present those to our customers to do what we talked about from a cost savings and and, uh, real-time analytics standpoint.
0: When does a company ordinarily seek you out? Our customers are,
1: are really hungry to understand their workforce. They want to know what makes their workforce tick. They want to know what makes their workforce efficient and what is this workforce really looking for. Our technology solves those pain points. Our technology presents real-time data that shows them where they're inefficient and where they're highly efficient and where they are inefficient, what things that they can do to go from an inefficient process to a more efficient one, and also, from their employee perspective, what is it that makes their employees tick? That's what our technology does. We present it in dashboards to their HR department on, here are the things that you should look at from this employee base in this certain demographic, These, this is what matters to them. and so by being able to solve those pain points is where we've been able to really get our foot in the door and create a stronghold.
0: Okay. Let's step back uh, into the uh, finance function here. And uh, as the leader, finance leader of this fast growing firm, what are the metrics that you're paying close attention to day to day? Uh,
1: Well, from my seat in a high, you know, in a high growth company, the first thing I'm always watching is uh, cash. And so, I do everything I can to make sure, you know, we've got as much dry powder on hand as possible so that we can uh, grow this thing as rapidly as our CEO wants to grow it. So from my seat, that's, that's always number one, and that's first thing in the morning. Secondarily, we're looking at our employee engagement rates. We're looking at our customer technology adoption percentages, and then... Operationally, we use an SQDCM philosophy, which is safety, quality, delivery, cost, and morale. And there's a couple of submetrics within each one of those categories that our folks use to uh, run their day-to-day business.
0: So talent is an area where many finance leaders will tell us they've become increasingly focused as uh, their companies struggle to manage workforce costs. And, of course, uh, the millennial generation – has challenged sort of the traditional career-building mindset in multiple ways. And here's where your company has found a business opportunity inside that changing environment. But I think it would be interesting from your uh, vantage point, your lines of sight into all these uh, client companies that you have, Um we, we see workers demanding more flexibility, wanting more control of their professional lives. What do you see?
1: Yeah, no, I, Jack, I agree with you 100%. I think uh, the gig economy only becomes more and more prevalent as people, as workers, want to control more and more of their own destiny and decide what they're going to do every day. I think companies have the obligation and responsibility to present those workers with training relevant training that actually means something so that if they do want to advance their careers, they have the opportunity to do so. And both in our industry and outside of our industry, that that's what we're seeing a push on both through technology and through standard methods that, that real and practical training in the workforce, it it feels like that has to happen and will happen and somebody will figure it out really well. And, and when they do, that's just a gigantic opportunity.
0: Okay, so along the way, as you and the CEO see this opportunity continuing to grow and there's a validation of the approach and the offerings, what would you share with us as far as a finance strategic moment and, and, and the role that that finance was going to play to drive this?
1: Sure, so... our as we've highlighted kind of through our chat today, we are highly focused on our technology. And uh, from a finance department, we've kind of been the drivers of, of getting that adoption, knowing the efficiency that high adoption rates would increase. So our, our big strategic moment, if you will, uh, was to come up with a way to present real-time financials so that our sales team had real-time commission dashboards and then our ops teams had real-time P&L dashboards so that they could log in to their system and at any point in time see where they stood in their performance against their objectives. And it was about, about 18 months ago that we finally were able to get through the input process mapping and create kind of that back-end automation that would drive these dashboards and, and uh, it's been a long, long time coming. But uh, after getting those successfully created, we've been been able to drive results. And, and our executive calls, instead of looking at a Microsoft Word document for an agenda, we're logging in and we're looking in real time at our performance metrics and our dashboards. And that was a finance-driven objective. So for us, that, that kind of was our big moment getting those things in place so that our executive team could use that real-time data to manage the day-to-day business. That was a big thing for us.
0: Now, did you build those off of a, a, you know, a brand name technology provider or is that largely custom? Well, kind of both.
1: Um, We're huge believers and operate on the Salesforce.com platform. But much of what we've done on top of that platform has been custom development stuff so we have a team of internal developers uh who've been quintessential in getting that technology developed
0: how did you execute such a huge undertaking and again you got to you got to get the salespeople on board they've got to see the value there's a lot of uh, as we know there's a lot of things that need to be lined up to be successful when you do something like that um what would you share with us yeah absolutely i think the biggest and most key component for us being able to
1: achieve these, these real-time performance metrics have been the buy-in from our CEO. And he's been a high-pressure CEO who he is really, really focused on technology, as we've talked about, kind of our focus on that. And because of his high pressure and high focus on that, that creates buy-in throughout the company. Now, we didn't do it with the team that we started with. Um, I was lucky throughout my college experience, actually, one of the guys that I played basketball with was um, a lead developer at one of the big technology companies in town. And after our CEO communicated, Hey, this, this is what we're going to try to do. And and you're responsible for achieving this. I thought, well, I, I don't know technology well enough. I can't write one single line of code. I better find somebody really good who can. So I reached out to him at, over at his technology company and uh, told him the opportunity in front of us and said, you know, I know you've got a pretty good gig now and and uh, what you're going to come over to is going to be a lot of hard work, but if we can achieve it, there's just so much opportunity in front of us. We, you know, what do you think about this? And so he came over about three months after I started and he's been the key cog on the back end of, doing all of these things that we've talked about.
0: Nick, we're now going to jump to our uh, mentoring round questions, and uh, I suspect I may already know the answer to, uh, to this question, <laughs> but what's exciting you about finance and business today?
1: Uh, the mo- I think the most exciting thing to me is the technology aspect of business. What, what does technology mean? What is the extent of the efficiency that it can create? What does it mean to human capital within the workforce? And even to CapEx stuff, where, at what point does automation stop? I think from a finance perspective, if you're looking at creating bottom-line value, you first got to be thinking about technology. And, and uh, I don't think we know the boundaries of it yet, and that's really exciting.
0: Is there something you wish someone had told you before you, uh, you stepped into the CFO office?
1: I think when you come in and first get started as a CFO, you're worried about your skill set, and you're worried about proving out your worth as an accountant and or a financier, but you're not, you're not going to be worth anything unless you can learn to create buy-in from your key business partners, being your sales folks and your ops folks, and then your back office shared services teams. Uh, I wish going into it, I had known, you know, make sure that you get those bridges built and you're able to find their pain points and and build around their pain points first. Your skill set is your skill set, but make sure that that, uh, you are driving your finance department to ease those key business units' pain.
0: Is there a, a personal habit you have that you believe has contributed to your professional success? This is probably, you know like the standard interview answer where best and worst part of you
1: uh but i i really am um a perfectionist i i always have been it's it's something that's works well for you in certain aspects and also works against you in other aspects but the drive to get things right and then getting things right through you know kind of a relative perspective and making sure that that right is equivalent to your ceo's vision of right so always been kind of my key driver here and so the fact that i won't stop until it gets right i think has been one of the things that's really enabled me to have uh, some material levels of success here
0: is there a book you'd recommend to aspiring finance leaders well on the cloud
1: side of things and we're we're cloud-based and we've a lot of what we've done from the sales side has been driven through the cloud business model, the predictive, predictable revenue by Aaron Ross. Kind of highlights how you can use technology and eliminate the need for, um, human capital to really drive your pipelines and, and get into, uh, predictable revenue numbers. And so I think for any new finance leader that's looking and focused on, learning about their pipelines and learning how to increase their pipelines, there's probably no better book to read.
0: Thought Leader listeners, don't go anywhere. We have more of our interview after these words from our sponsor. You want smart? of year by the Ethisphere Institute. To learn more, visit uspayment.com slash middle market. Our final question. What are your priorities as a finance leader over the next 12 months?
1: Uh, for me, first and foremost, it's, it's got to be building our team. And we've been in high growth mode. So for our finance team, that's been you know a lot of stress it almost feels like it uh for the public accountants of the world it feels like we've been in busy season here for a couple of years and, but because we've been able to achieve success through that now we kind of have the opportunity to figure out what scale really means in that department so over the tw- next 12 months my objective and commitment to our team is to define what scale means in the finance department to create jobs that really do embrace kind of the work-life balance that's so important today, especially for millennials. Uh, so that as we do continue to grow, we're going to grow from our finance side in a stable way. And uh, people are going to be able to enjoy what they do. So I think from our finance team, it's let's develop our leadership. Let's figure out how to scale our leadership. And then let's let's find our next best young folks that we have
0: so that uh, they're able to grow and advance their careers. Nick Vandergriff, thank you for joining us on CFO Thought Leader. Jack, thank you very much. Hi, it's Jack. At CFO Thought Leader, we're interested in hearing from you. We want to find out what you would like to hear more of or less of. And so we've created an ever so short survey in order to learn from you. The survey is now available right on cfothoughtleader.com's homepage. It's open to career finance executives of every rank. Meanwhile, it's that time of year again. CFO Appreciation Day is quickly approaching. And we are once more firing up our kiln and making our CFO Thought Leader mug 2019 edition available to survey takers who enlist two or more of their finance team members to complete the survey. We'll mail you our also coveted CFO Thought Leader mug at zero cost. So visit us at cfothoughtleader.com and give us an earful. We would greatly appreciate it. Some rules and restrictions may apply.